1: we are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of
0: god left (laughs) jab productions present edge of sports radio where sports and politics collide
1: and now your host dave zirin the smarter kid
2: boom edge of sports radio where sports and politics collide i'm dave zirin Joined, as always, by a man who is to producing what Michael Jordan was to baseball, Dan Baker, DB. You're one of the great athletes, man. You can take absolute uh, ref- refuge in that.
1: I'm still MJ. I
2: don't know why refuge was so hard for me to pronounce a second ago. As always, joined by the coach, Kevin not How you doing, coach?
3: I repeat that I said it last week. March Madness, baby.
2: It's April, my
4: friend.
3: Whatever, it's, it's still April. March Madness to me. The game's okay. got to be played this weekend. It's April. Leave me alone.
4: <laughs> okay. And me, Mark Barry, How are you doing, me, Mark? I am great. Opening day, opening night is this coming Sunday. This coming Monday after that is baseball. Baseball? Baseball? That's right. talking about? What is Sorry. this thing? Yeah. I, baseball?
2: I'll talk Get about it if gone. y'all it. It's fine. Baseball. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is this sport of yeah. which you are discussing? It's
3: wow. hoops and then it's NBA. What is he talking Base- about, Dave?
2: Baseball. What I is wrong with him? Basic? All, right. All right, we got a heck of a show this week. I am so excited. <laughs> um, first and foremost, we have in studio the absolute war chief of the progressive magazine probably not the best title given the politics of the progressive magazine Mm -hmm. it's an amazing uh, magazine it comes out uh, once a month it's a magazine that I proudly proudly write a column for Uh, she is the editor in chief her name is Ruth Conniff and I'm so excited to have her on because we're gonna talk to Ruth about what is at the center of sports and politics right now and that is Indiana The Religious Freedom Restoration Mm -hmm. Act in Indiana, what it is, what it means, and why you had all four NCAA coaches in the final four sign a statement saying that they agree with the NCAA in condemning the law. Why they agree with NASCAR in opposing the law. I'm sorry, I meant opposing the law. Now, if you are NASCAR and you're opposing this law, the law probably is a little too right wing. Can we all safely say that mm-hmm. that if she, NASCAR you're is saying a big step here, Dave. <laughs> like like you're going a little bit far here when NASCAR is saying that I think you might have a real issue. We're going to talk to Ruth about that. We're also going to talk about the NFL and second chances, revisiting a discussion we had last week and Coach is going to lead a discussion as well about what's going on in the NCAA right now because he knows a lot about basketball. Final Four. There we go. But first, you know what we got to do? We got to go to break. You can follow us on Twitter at Edge of Sports, and we'll be back right after this. And yo, big shout out to everybody out there who listens to Edge of Sports.
1: (laughs) Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Dave Zyron returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide.
2: We are back here on Edge of Sports Radio, joined by the coach. Kevin Nutt, how you doing, coach? My man. And me, Mark. How you doing, me, Mark? I'm doing great. Awesome. Last week, we had a discussion on the program about second chances. And should Ray McDonald, who was accused, not convicted, of domestic violence and was accused a second time and not even charged of another uh, assault against um, a woman. And Greg Hardy, who was convicted of domestic violence but then had the conviction overthrown on appeal after a check was written to his accuser, um, if they deserved second chances in the NFL and should they have second chances in the NFL. And part of this discussion was Mark Barry, who is a longtime Chicago Bears fan, actually saying that he was going to renounce – his fandom of the Chicago Bears, which if you know Mark was a very intense statement. And Coach asked a lot of questions and raised a lot of points, really trying to get us to define the difference between do they deserve a second chance and should they get a second chance, which are two really different questions if Mm -hmm. you think about it. Mm -hmm. Because one's a moral question, like what would you do if you were an owner of a franchise or if you were a fan, would you turn away? That's a moral question. And then the other is really more of a, political question about do people deserve second chances how do we decide guilt and of course it's incredibly complicated as mark made this point, and this point can't be made loudly enough is that there's no to me area of criminal law that's more obfuscated in gray fog mm. than violence against women because we know how few of the cases get reported and we know that even when they are reported how few result in actual convictions so drawing judgments based on these cases is not as simple sometimes as saying, were they convicted or not? Mm-hmm. Because all too often, that's just not a way, that's just not a guide given this. so And of course, as we talk about this, I think we need to take a step back and say, we're talking about a league that's built on violence, mm-hmm. a league that's built on head injuries, a league where one of the main head, head injuries is to part of the brain called the anterior frontal lobe, which governs impulse control. And so this idea that the league itself does not bear accountability for violence that could break out to me is absolutely ridiculous, Mm. is absolutely ridiculous. It needs to be part of this discussion. And you can't go by statistics when you talk about this subject because someone might usually come back and say, well, the rate of domestic violence among NFL families is actually lower than the population as a whole of people in that age group. To me, it's like all those stats are are just, they're out the window. Mm Because what are we really talking about? And you could imagine also the pressures inside an NFL family to not go to the police. reporting. Yeah. Yeah. Because you think about these players, they play three and a half years. They're going to make well over 90% of the amount of money they'll see their entire lives. And often, and we saw this in in the Ray and Janae Rice situation, you have two people who've been together since they were teenagers. Mm
4: -hmm. And this
2: is their time. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that if you're Janae Rice, that you would jeopardize that financially, emotionally. I mean, there's so many factors at play. But just to get to what I think about it, because um, I don't feel like I stated very clearly last week what I think about it. I mean, I think where I start is I am very nervous about the idea of the NFL operating as sort of like a second judiciary system with their own investigatory powers and their own, um, like, like, almost like acting like the real law, like they're Judge dread. Like, you have your civil and criminal law. Well, we're the NFL, and we have our own law. And so they've hired people like this former head of the Alcohol Tobacco Firearms, Todd Jones, who made his reputation by arresting nonviolent marijuana offenders, like by the hundreds of thousands. And that was like his big and he's now in charge mm-hmm. of their investigation program. So it's like, is this justice? And the other thing that really has me against the NFL acting as this extrajudiciary um, force? Is when I know I'm talking a lot because last week y'all talked about this and I've just been stewing about it all week, Mm. is, um, is the fact that I read this article about how the NFL is trying to get the photos of Greg Hardy's accuser who he beat up. Apparently there are a lot of police photos and she's got bruises. And they wanted to get the photos so they could determine what their punishment would be. And there's something about that that just shows how disgusting it is because he either did it or he didn't. So why does the NFL need to see... Her bruises and we know why the answer because if those photos ever go public it's like if it looks bad enough then it's gonna be a problem for the NFL from a public relations standpoint like the Ray Rice videotape but if her injuries were more internal then the suspension doesn't have to be as bad because it's not I mean and that's so disgusting to me the idea the, the image of Roger Goodell playing count the he's the commissioner of the National Football League of him playing count the bruises decide punishments. so what should the NFL do in the most general sense because you ask that again and again coach what should the NFL do what should the Bears do what should fans do that's what you kept Mm -hmm. asking Mm -hmm. what should they do and there are a lot of angles to this but my first response is that the NFL has to have a policy and it should be collectively bargained with the Union so it's clear And it's agreed upon. And that's so important because then you don't get the whole, well, we're going to react to whatever anybody is saying about it. Mm -hmm. And and it makes them look completely amoral. And that's how you get in situations where they're playing count the bruises. You know, it's completely Mm -hmm. disgusting. So you have to collectively bargain something with the union. That's the first thing. And I'm against the whole extrajudicial uh, system of dealing with it now if I was in charge and you asked that last week and I think Mark and I both said well we're not in charge as Mm -hmm. a response but you know that's a fair question if I was in charge I would say that if you are charged with this crime of violence against women you are suspended without you're suspended with pay if charged and if you are convicted of
3: this you're done done as in gone you're done your,
2: your career you can apply for readmittance okay I think anybody should be able to apply for it and that's where you get to the issue of redemption I mean, applying for readmittance is not about doing a press conference or having some owner who just wants to sign you. Mm-hmm. But there has to be some demonstration that you've figured out what's wrong. And I use the similarity of Michael Vick, whose crimes against dogs were, were terrible, but who the Humane Society even suggested that he be readmitted because they believed he was sincere and he pledged to go talk to kids about this. And, and, and that, that to me, that, that's what's so important and what needs to be said. I think that when you have a situation like Greg McDonald, and this is based on what we know about the case, and this goes to what Mark was saying, I think that if you have someone who has not been convicted of something, then as, even as awful as the case looks, then a team has the right to sign him and he has the right to play. But that being said, if I was an owner, I wouldn't sign him. And if I was Mark, I would seriously consider not being a fan of the Bears. Because that's really the only power we have in this situation. So it's like I object to it on moral grounds profoundly, but I don't think you can have a rule in the league if someone's not convicted of a crime that says they are de facto done and are effectively blackballed. So that's where I come down on this at the end. And and saying that if the NFL does anything other than those basic things, they should have things like. Education for families of NFL players that talk about what can happen if, mm-hmm. if your partner has excessive concussions. They should have a hotline so, um, so particularly wives and children have a place where they can call and get help mm-hmm. if they're worried about going to the police for whatever reason. And I think the NFL could provide those things. And the mm-hmm. fact that they don't speaks volumes about what they're really trying to protect. And that's frankly, I think, the connections between the violence of the game and the violence off the field. I'll give you guys a chance. I'm I'm sorry I, w- I filibustered, but any no, response
3: no, that you... Go is ahead, that Mark, clear, yeah. Coach? Or yeah. Yeah. Is... I'm formulating. Go ahead, Mark. <clears throat> um, uh,
4: no, I, I think that that's pretty clear. I think you're absolutely right in terms of overarching rules. There can't be a, a blanket rule banning someone who hasn't been convicted of a crime or anything. I think that public pressure, whether it be... Th- like from fans or from owners just deciding that they don't want that kind of radioactive material on their team. I think it's probably the way to go. And yeah, I don't think the NFL is going to touch that, uh, the connection between head injuries and domestic violence, because that's, that's game over. That's, that's possibly causing, causing crimes through their sport. Which means also that
2: they're ignoring the science that's coming out of institutes like the Boston University mm-hmm. Legacy Institute that's mm-hmm. actually been funded by NFL dollars, which you have to think is like really awkward. If they're like, yeah, we have this data that shows your sport um, may cause domestic violence, and their response is like, oh my god, who are these people? It's like, oh, you, you sort of funded us. That's pretty awkward, um, <laughs> coach. You you want to hold off for a second? We'll yeah. go to break. Yeah, we can. We can you do can that. come back after yeah. break. Don't worry, yeah. coach. You can still get your NCAA <laughs> moment. Coach got in touch with me and he said, this is my shining moment. This is my shining moment. Not quite, but something like that. It was, it was close to that. But you know what? We'll talk about it after the break because this is who we are. This is Edge of Sports Radio. We'll be back right after this. One, 2
1: three, don't one, two, three. Don't move. Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin.
2: Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. We are about to hear from Coach Kevin McNutt about his analysis of the unpaid carnival of exploitation that he loves <laughs> called the NCAA Final what? Four. Um, but before we do, Coach, do you, have, do you have any last thoughts about anything we're talking about? NFL, second chances, domestic violence. Yeah,
3: yes, because, you know, touching on what we did last week, everybody, I mean, Mark did a beautiful um, statement of how of how he felt, a- as did you, and a lot of people on. And it's a no sell. I mean, the, 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 the domestic violence issue. I read about the um, Hardy in depth. It's, it's hard to argue with it. But the question becomes: Okay, you're selling me. I'm in this showroom. You're selling me on what Hardy did, what McDonald did, so forth and so on. But then, what's the price tag? And you guys did not have a price tag. Mm-hmm. What do you want? It's a it's a no brainer. It's, a it's an easy sell. He's wrong. He should have did this. Okay, but what do you want? The, they paid off his accuser. Okay, mm-hmm. McDonald is, is is even suing his accuser
2: in the second case. In, in the second
3: the first, case. Okay, yeah. right. So in the NFL is has gone on in, in, in Bears and Bears are in camp and Hardy's with the Cowboys, and so you guys ran about it. But what do you want? What you don't, what you did not give me was what you, and you did a little bit now, you didn't give me, do you want six games? Do you want eight? Do you want a year? I mean, Hardy, uh, What uh, the Panthers suspended Hardy after what, game two?
2: After the Ray Rice fallout, basically. Okay. I I don't
3: know which week of the season that was, but basically then he went, I guess he was unpaid, I guess he was paid paid for the rest of the season, but didn't hit the field. And it was like 10, 12 games. Is that enough? Do you want another six games? Do you want another eight? And why? That's all I'm asking. Mm -hmm. And see, and then the other part of that is, and this is what resonates with me, because you guys are mad, and you're saying, oh, I'm mad that the NFL's let them in. But look, black people have been hit with trumped-up charges Mm -hmm. for years. I can go to Ferguson and see what's going on there. Okay? So then Ferguson comes out, and then the the policeman, nothing, nothing happened. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was justified. Boom, we move on. Okay. So when I hear all this, I'm saying, "Hey, I, we have we have dealt with trumped up charges and um, and fixed jurors mm-hmm. all our history. You guys are ranting about Hardy getting a second chance to play to, to wear a jersey, as with McDonald. Okay, well, okay, the NFL's doing it. So what do you want? I don't hear that.
2: Oh, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I want. very very clearly, I think that the charges are serious enough that you're going to be suspended without pay until it's adjudicated. No more teams saying three games, six games, responding to this or that. It's like you're off the field. You get a paycheck. It's a good deal. You're off the mm-hmm. field with a paycheck. And you know what? You can concentrate on your defense. And that's one thing about justice in the United States is that you can buy a lot of justice. Right. And these are guys with resources.
3: Exactly.
2: So uh, Resources that, for example, Michael Brown's family did not have right. in right. Ferguson. Right. And so, so start from that point and... Then, if the charges go away, as then we have to work on problems in the legal system. That's not the NFL's concern. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's like we and that really needs to be the focus. And I don't think it's been talked about nearly enough in the Ray Rice case about the fact that New Jersey, even though they had the videotape, the state of New Jersey just let it let it yes. go. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do not just with New Jersey but with Atlantic City. And that's how Atlantic City rolls. If you're a wealthy football player Mm -hmm. and you're in Atlantic City and there's this whole history of – you know, remember Ray Rice, of course, went to what college, Mark? Rutgers. 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 And there's this whole history of Rutgers and Atlantic City and and Atlantic City just rolling out the welcome mat for Rutgers football. And and anything goes if you go to Rutgers. It's one of the ways they recruit people to the program. And here you have the most famous player in the history of Rutgers, unarguably, I think from a football perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, He's there and something like this happens. The default mode is cover up. And that's not the NFL. That's Atlantic City. That's New Jersey justice. That's the culture of of celebrity, which, as we've seen often, can sometimes trump racism in the criminal justice system. We've seen this because money and celebrity and all the rest of it. So that's why I think you just make it very crystal clear. No six games, four games, up too many bruises, eight games. You're done till it's figured out. If it's figured out in a way that turns our stomach, we need to start dealing with the criminal justice system, not with the NFL system of punishment.
3: Right. So now let me get it straight there. So you're saying with pay. So, um, okay, but, okay. This is your segment. No. <laughs> you're, you're saying with pay because I guess there was a case now. You brought up Jameis Winston. I, I'm gathering you don't think he should, he should be drafted, for example. And then just yesterday, with was today. It came out that uh, at Alabama, Saban Jonathan kicked Taylor. off a player. Mm-hmm. And then the lady recanted, said she made up the whole story. Mm -hmm. So, um, and again, I'm not on the Mm -hmm. player's side here. I'm just trying to understand uh, what do you want, uh, Mark, whoever is uh, is railing against these guys having a second chance. No, no,
2: I'll be very quick um, on this. I know, Mark, you should say something about this too. When it comes to Jameis Winston... Um, If I was a Tampa Bay Buck fan, I would be livid that they were drafting him and handing him the keys of the franchise. I don't think the NFL can or should have some official law that prevents Jameis Winston from being part of the NFL. But if I was a fan, I would be letting my voice known that I would not want Jameis Winston, based on what I know about the cases, particularly this latest film that just came out, Hunting Ground, where Mm -hmm. the accuser is is interviewed and hearing her voice and seeing her face. I mean— It's just I I find the idea that she's lying about this to be absolutely profoundly unrealistic Mm. (laughs) given everything she's going Mm -hmm. through and what she's saying. So there's that. Um, But there shouldn't be anything that would stop Jameis Winston from coming in either. And for Alabama, once again, it's like I'm not asking football to to solve a societal problem. And Mm. a societal problem is often um, the image of um, a woman being hurt and then not feeling like – She has resources, a place to go, and needs to recant for her own sake. And sometimes it's couples fight and police are called and there's regret about making that call. I mean, these things, relationships are incredibly complicated. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that it's the job of Nick Saban, God forbid. (laughs) to yes, decide yes, male female dynamics in the relationships of team teen- teenagers. Mark, do you think
4: Yeah, I'm mean, speaking to the the Alabama player. He'd previously been kicked off the yes, Georgia football know, team Georgia before football hitting a woman. Man. And again, he's going to find another another place to play. It'll be another SEC school. Uh <laughs> it'll be Alabama if Saban gets his way. He wants him back on now. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, I have nothing
2: to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it sort of speaks for itself, but five minutes, Coach. You mm-hmm. want to give us a Final Four preview?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, what I was going to do, Dave, on the on the, uh, on the NCAA Final Four is coming up, but I love it. You know I love it. I was underground. I saw almost pieces of almost every game, and I want to give you a thumbs up, thumbs down real quick on some of the things that I'm seeing. It's all you, baby. March Madness, the NCAA tournament. Got to love it. It's the best thing out there. It never fails to deliver. Do you realize on Thursday – out to shoot, 12 o'clock. You end up having five games decided by one point. Three games had the ball in the air to tie or win. And in t- nine of the 16 games were decided by four or less. NCAA, best thing going. Thumbs up, NCAA committee, which is hard for me to do. They got it right. Um, UCLA proved that it should have been in. So, you know, okay. thumbs down to the NCAA, they got it wrong. They gave Dayton a home game, they ignored their data. Uh, Dayton should not have had a home game. Dayton was 16 and 0 at home, 22 and 0 over a year and a half at home. No way they should got a, a, a home game. Thumbs up. Pac 12 conference sent four teams: Arizona, Utah, Oregon, UCLA to the tourney. All won a game. Three of four went to the Sweet 16. Thumbs down. Big 12 conference sent seven teams dancing. Only two: Oklahoma and West Virginia went Sweet 16. And uh, West
2: Virginia cheated against Maryland. So there's was, that. Leave it alone. Home. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> get, get,
3: get out of my segment. Meanwhile, three seeds, Iowa State and Baylor, were upset out of the tournament by 2.30 Thursday. So, so, okay, thumbs down to the Big East Conference. Mm-hmm. Of their six teams, only Xavier went Sweet 16. Um, they, did, uh, uh, um, they stunk up the joint. Thumbs up. Players who seized the moment. Joseph Young of Oregon had 30 points, including uh, 30 points against Wisconsin, 57 for the tournament. Uh, Sam Decker, 27 points for Wisconsin, uh, beating Arizona. Bryce Alford, nine three-pointers for UCLA to beat SMU. Thumbs down, Stanley Johnson of Arizona. This guy's going to be a lottery pick, Dave. Top three, maybe top five. And just like James Harden, who stuck up the joint when he was at Arizona mm-hmm. State, he scored six points against Wisconsin. Totally outplayed by Sam Decker, who scored, I scored him 27-6. to six. Watch him be a top three pick, and he's going to be good. But he's, as, as it relates to, to the NCAA tournament, he stuck up the joint. Um, Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell, the backcourt for Gonzaga. Everybody says that Gonzaga flops and goes out early. DC, you are shaking your head? Well, that's the reason why. The backcourt, Pangos and Bell, have stunk up the joint for four years. They were totally ineffective against Duke on um, on Sunday. Uh,
2: they were the more talented team against Duke. That was a re- the I, deeper I think, team. I'm not sure they're more talented. How did they, you, uh, it, they didn't throw it into the Polish power time and time again. <laughs> Pionowski, that's his name. There <laughs> yeah, you go. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, thumbs up. See, if you do nicknames, you don't have to remember complicated. <laughs> no, but... Thumbs up. Tom Izzo. Doesn't have a pro on his roster. Final four, seventh time. Um, you know, got to give him a thumbs up. Thumbs down, Mike Bray. Called a timeout with 28 seconds to mm-hmm. go. Kentucky had the ball. I don't know why he did that. Then 6.6 seconds to go after the free throws. No inbounds play. Um, Grant takes a three-pointer from the corner with three K- uh, K- uh, Kentucky players, including a seven-footer in his face. That's the best play you can call from six, six seconds on the inbounds from the baseline? No, sir you got to do better than that. I'm, I'm a Mike Bray fan. He let me down on that one. I wanted Kentucky to go down. I'm wrapping up, Dave. No, no, no. Thumbs down? The NCAA Cats. Uh, the N- excuse me, the NBA Cats. Barkley and Smith, get gone. You guys bring nothing to the show. You guys are an embarrassment. <laughs> Dave, I know you're looking puzzled at me, but if I ask them to name three starters on any team, they wouldn't be able to do it. If I asked them the names Kentucky starting five and gave in, and gave them the Harrison twins, they wouldn't be able to do it. Stay in your lane. Stay in the NBA. You bring nothing to the telecast. Wow. Coming That's hard. Coming hard. Thurm's thumbs down. Dick Vitale, who says in defending Calipari and the Cats saying, everybody in the country, baby, everybody in the country, baby, will want those kids. Yes, sir, but not everybody's willing to pay the price, and I'm not saying anything, quote unquote, to get those kind of kids. If you think... Mr. Davis's recruitment at Kentucky was clean when he was Anthony Davis a couple years ago. You don't know anything about college basketball. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that was strong. Nice. I, I don't disagree
2: with anything there except I'll always do a big thumbs down to the NCAA. For existing See, I um, know that. And, I'm
3: dealing with the games. And, <laughs> a, and thumbs
2: posting, up to man. them for speaking about this Indiana law. And right after the break, we're going to speak to the editor-in-chief of the Progressive Magazine, Ruth right. Conniff, about that law. We'll you're be dying.
4: Good.
1: Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide.
2: Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. The absolute intersection of sports and politics this past week has been in the state of Indiana, where NASCAR, the NBA, Major League Baseball, even though they don't have a team in Indiana, have all come out against uh, Indiana's Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And we're going to talk about what that is with our next guest, editor-in-chief of the Progressive magazine, Ruth Conniff. Ruth, how are you doing?
5: Good. Thanks for having me, Dave.
2: Oh, oh it's, it's so appropriate because the, the other organization that's come out against the RFRA is, of course, the NCAA, because the Final Four is in Indianapolis. And also in the Final Four is your hometown team,
5: the Badgers, man. Yeah. I mean, we've been driving across the country. We drove, we live in Wisconsin. My husband, my three daughters, and I, they're all in the studio with me right now. Have, we drove out to Washington, D.C. to be on your show, see our family <laughs> members. In that order. <laughs> and we may have to make a, a little detour on the way back to avoid Indiana. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're rooting for the Badgers and we're watching this whole thing unfold.
2: That's awesome. And, um, your, your husband, Mitch Cooper, public defender in the state of Wisconsin, That's right. Uh, absolutely shamed me in the commercial break. Uh, and I, I, I will take this shame because I'm so embarrassed. I, I called Ray Rice the greatest football player in Rutgers history <laughs> when, of course, it's Paul Robeson. Oh, my God. You I, I, I have no idea how many points I, I just lost. Yeah, we, we love it when you get embarrassed. You know what we should have done is done a little post-edit production. Or like Paul Robson. Like it goes over <laughs> where he eyes. You know who's the best? It's Paul Robson. So that that's what's what we should have done. So so let's let's try to figure this out with me, Ruth. Um, the Indiana Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Explain, if you could, what it is and why there's so much uproar that's that's in, in response to its signing by Governor Mike Pence.
5: Well the the Act itself, which was signed by Mike Pence last week. Uh, declares that it prohibits state and local governments from burdening a person's right to exercise religion unless the government can show a compelling reason and the action that they are forced to take is the least restrictive means of achieving it. Basically, it's an Indiana law uh, promoted by the far right, by religious groups, by the American Family Association there to protect businesses from having to serve customers who are gay and lesbian or participate in any way in tolerance, diversity and support Mm. of gay and lesbian couples. I mean, that's really the Driving force behind this supposed restoration of religious mm-hmm. freedom. And like so much of what the right is looking for, uh, you know, it, it conflates the idea of freedom for individuals with a freedom for businesses, because unlike the federal Law that this is somewhat modeled on, it spells out what a person means. Mm. And a person for the far right and for residents of Indiana means apparently, in addition to a zygote, it means mm. a long list of things, including an LLC, a corporation, a company, a firm, a society, a joint stock company, unincorporated association. <laughs> you know, this is their idea of a person. So federal law wow. is talking about individuals and their religious freedom. The far right has gotten together and said corporations are people, therefore corporations need to have religious freedom freedom. Mm. And then secondly, not only in the, in the case where the the government is involved, but in a completely private sector situation where there's no government involvement whatsoever, this law explicitly applies, which is another important difference from the federal law.
2: Wow, yeah, corporations are people, my friends, kind of shines exactly. through this that famous line from Mitt Romney. So, yeah, you mentioned the federal law and that's something the defenders of the law keep saying. They say Bill Clinton signed this law in 1993, and no one cared. If uh, It's in 19 other states, no one cared. You just gave some great evidence about how the Indiana law is different than the federal law. But I wanted to ask you, first of all, can you describe a little bit more detail what the federal law is and how it's different? And also, I just wanted to ask you if you remember, because I know you were uh, you know, doing p- p- great political writing in, in the early mid-90s. Do you remember when that law was passed? And do you remember if there were any of these questions raised at the time?
5: Well, it was a completely different environment because we weren't talking about, you know, basically the state's rights argument, which is what Indiana is making. They're making the argument that institutions and businesses need to have their freedom protected because they like to discriminate and it hurts their feelings to be told they have to treat people equally. Right. I Mm. mean, this is an old Long, ugly history of argument that we're dealing with here. Mm. The federal law came about because a Native American man in Oregon partook in a religious ritual involving the use of peyote and was fired from his job when he failed a drug test. And it really – it was – It was also sponsored by Charles Schumer and Ted Kennedy, and it was really about the rights of individuals to practice their religion, even if it flew in the face of societal norms or rules and regulations, that those, you know, if there wasn't a compelling government interest in enforcing those... Laws, then people should be free to to practice their religion. So, in some ways, it was the exact opposite. It Mm. allowed individuals freedom. It didn't allow institutions the freedom to discriminate.
2: Wow. So, in other words, that law from '93 was more like, say, you're a Jewish and Muslim person, and your office has bacon day and you say, no, I don't want to eat bacon, it's against my religion, and they say, what? You're not a team player, you're fired. Right. That would protect you right. in that situation. Right. Um, by the way, I'm open to be hired anywhere that has bacon day. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> um, so uh, another question for you. This is all, this is all really helpful. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is this Supreme Court decision from a couple years back that was called Hobby Lobby.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: How does the Supreme Court decision on Hobby Lobby uh, Can you explain what that was, because I'm not going to explain it well, and also say how does that affect these religious freedom laws that are passed at the state level? It
5: is the exact same argument. The, The argument in the case of Hobby Lobby was that under the Affordable Care Act, religiously run businesses like Hobby Lobby, which is run by some Christian fundamentalists, are offended and appalled at the idea of providing health insurance coverage for birth control prescriptions for their female employees. And because this is so deeply offensive to them, they need to be exempt from that. So their female employees are out of luck because (laughs) they object to their use of birth control and abortion services. And so they, they went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court found that, yes, in fact, hobby lobby has a has the religious freedom right to discriminate against its female employees which is a disaster and provoked protests all over the country by women who do not appreciate mm-hmm. uh, you know either their business owners I mean we've had we've seen laws like this pop up at the state level where um, right to lifers want pharmacists to be able to decide whether or not to dispense your prescription to you based on their personal moral mm-hmm. belief about whether or not you can take that pill that is preposterous but unfortunately uh, was upheld by the the Supreme Court, and it's very similar to the Indiana law because, again, it's protecting an institutional right. It's treating a corporation as a person. It's talking about religious freedom as it applies to a powerful employer mm. and their ability to stand in the way of an individual to exercise her rights.
2: Mm. You're, you're terrific, Ruth. I, got, I have to say, I like explaining these laws so that so they make sense, um, and when you explain it, it almost makes me like really. It does. It makes me really angry at the way this debate has been basically just lied about. Like, why are people singling out Indiana? It's in all these other states, too. Bill Clinton signed this. What's the big deal? And it's like, well, no, it's, it's a huge deal, if I'm hearing right, because of Hobby Lobby and because of the power it gives corporations and businesses to basically have the same rights as people. Yeah,
5: I mean, if you believe that when you say person, you put an asterisk next to it and you say an LLC, a corporation, a publicly or privately held entity, it's just right. preposterous. People are people, right?
2: Now, as... But I know that you also are someone who, who observes things like social movements, the power of social movements... And are you surprised at all by the backlash against the Indiana bill? Where did this come from? How did it happen? Does it surprise you, though?
5: Uh, The NASCAR participation, I have to admit, surprised me a bit, right? Not exactly a champion of progressive values in my mind. However, I think what we've seen is this massive seismic cultural shift on this issue of gay rights. And I think it's because it doesn't matter where you live in the United States. It doesn't matter what your religion is. It doesn't matter what your politics are. You have friends and relatives who are gay. And those people are coming out, as Asa Hutchinson's son did, and said to him, Dad, Mm. you're discriminating against me. You know, I mean, you have to, to... Take the right position on this. Lisa Hutchinson, the
2: governor of Arkansas, who looked like he was about to sign copycat legislation,
5: yes, and is now not going to sign that. And you know we have to we have to say breaking news today: the Indiana legislature itself has written a lengthy amendment because they're dealing with the backlash by businesses, by sports franchises like the NCAA, as we mentioned, coming out very strongly against this form of discrimination. It's bad for business. It's embarrassing for Indiana. Indianapolis businesses with signs in their windows everywhere saying, "Hey, we want everybody." We're not with this discriminatory law. So now there's an amendment today, uh, which for the first time in recorded history, enshrines gay rights into law in the state of Indiana, which does not treat gender or sexual orientation or gender identity as a, as a protected class. Mm. But now there's an amendment. So the same Republican legislators, I do, I think they're going to whip this thing through because the final four is this weekend, (laughs) man, and they're facing a major boycott. So they really need to get their act together. And the timing of this is perfect. And, it's because of sports. Sports have really led the way here.
2: Yeah, I think you're right about that because you've seen all of these corporations and all these unions, everything from Apple to AFSME say they're going to pull their events out of Indiana. But I think the NCAA was the first entity to say something.
5: Yeah, the NCAA, I think, looks great on this, and um, you know, which, which if I'm you... conflicted about. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But, you know, when, when President Mark Emmett made his statement that this law violates the core values of higher education, diversity, supportiveness, and inclusiveness, that was a very significant statement. And he went further and said, you know, we're going to have the Final Four this weekend. We want you to know that this law doesn't go into effect until July, and the city of Indianapolis does protect gay and lesbian mm. people. So we want you to come to the games. We want you to cheer for the teams. But we're going to look at our entire association with the state of Indiana. We're going to look at pulling NCAA headquarters out of the state unless they change this right now. And the pressure that that has brought on the state is tremendous. And you see, this is a right-wing problem. This is not Mm -hmm, our problem, Dave. I mean, we can sit here and talk about it, but really anger is not so much the response. I think it's very positive because the right is scrambling. They were so wrong about where the country is on this. They have lost this battle. They didn't know they had lost. And now they're doing backflips trying to retract it. Yeah. And let's kick it
2: forward to the 2016 presidential race, because Jeb Bush has looked like a joke around this issue. He's jumped back and forth. uh, And and it looks embarrassing, particularly if you're a Republican who wants a strong leader, quote unquote. He's looked anything but strong. Uh, You, of course, Mike Pence, who was rumored to be running. I mean, he's now just ridiculously radioactive. But (laughs) you're from Wisconsin. And at least once a week, I get a nervous text from my sister asking if I think Scott Walker is going to be president. Um, And I haven't heard Scott Walker's name connected with this issue. He made a statement.
5: He made a statement.
2: What was his statement? His statement
5: was he was supportive of the religious freedom act. Every Republican candidate in the field came out and made this statement because they're going to run in Iowa with the crazy right wing base in a primary that demands that they be as far right as they can get. Although only Marco Rubio went way out on a limb and supported Active discrimination against gay and lesbian people. Wow. But Scott Walker, like every other member of that Republican presidential field, came out with a strong statement in support of Indiana. And now we'll watch the backpedaling because now they've gotten the memo that this is really a loser.
2: Yeah. So, so Jeb is already backpedaling. That's already in the news. People can go online and see it. Do you expect that now from other? I think people? they're going they to be scrambling.
5: It's going to be a joke. It's going to—they're going to be everywhere, saying, making contradictory statements, trying to maintain mm-hmm. the support of the base, and trying to get where they're supposed to be. Like the right-wing Republican legislature of Indiana, who've now written this entire long passage saying they're for gay and lesbian rights.
2: And, and the end result is that they end up looking weak to a base that is all like caught up in this kind of i'll call it toxic masculinity if we need someone strong to take on hillary clinton and all the rest of it yeah
5: it's going to be a mess for them and more power to them scrambling around in that mess wow (laughs) and last
2: question for you before we go first of all thank you so much for joining us um I know you're not a huge sports fan, but the Wisconsin Badgers being in the final four is this must-see TV for you? Absolutely,
5: we are not going to miss it. We are going to be all over it. And do you have a favorite
2: yeah. player on the team? Or well, you Frank as the my tank yeah, family? Frank the
5: Tank. That's you know, that's our family. <laughs> We're that's behind Frank.
2: And it's, I mean, it's so and Bronson Koenig. Um, Great place. We're going to bring my
5: daughters in to start talking. Oh, no. okay, i got to stop talking really fast. No, no, no. That's going <laughs> to happen. We're going to go to break. We'll be
2: back with the daughters to wrap up the <laughs> show. All right.
1: Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin will return after this.
4: The play, play,
1: play, play,
4: play. And
1: Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. I never miss a beat.
2: I'm lightning on my feet. And that's okay with me. Yeah, that's okay with me. If you're hearing Taylor Swift, it means one thing and one thing only. It means we have Lily, Rose, Daphne, Ruth, and Mitch's kids right here to wrap up the last couple minutes of the show. Please, if you could introduce yourself and say what sports you like to play, we're going to go oldest to youngest. Please go right ahead.
4: I'm Lily. And I play basketball and swimming.
2: Wow, very nice, very nice. Rose, go for it.
4: I'm Rose, and I like to do
2: gymnastics. Awesome. Can you do like a flip? Yeah. Amazing. So can I, but it doesn't end well. Yes. (laughs) I'm Daphne, and I do gymnastics. Also gymnastics. That's fantastic. And, hey, if you could say hi to one person right now in your hometown, who would it be?
4: My grandparents.
2: Oh, your grandparents. That's really nice of you. What, what about you, Rose?
4: Probably my grandparents.
2: Okay, we're going with the grandparents. Daphne, what, you, what about you? Keep in my, mind, your grandparents already have enough hellos.
0: My grandparents, too.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> I love the respect for the older generations. It's beautiful. All right, so straight up, you're only on this show for one reason and one reason only, and that's Wisconsin. They are in the final four. Lily, do you think they can win and Why?
5: They can win because they have Daphne rooting for them.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. So you just think like the, the vibes that Daphne gives off are so powerful that yeah. they'll feel that inspiration? Yeah. Man, that, that, that's powerful. Daphne, you, sh- you should root for this show to get more listeners do that. <laughs> It'll help. Okay, Rose, what about you? Who's winning? Is Wisconsin winning this and why? Yeah, they're going to win because they're a really good team and because they're our team. They're, they're your, your team. team. <laughs> that's right. I like they're that. They're going to win. All right. Daphne, talk to us.
5: Because they're a good team and just because they're really good.
2: That's a great reason. It's better than Coach's reason. You heard Coach before? His analysis was, I think Wisconsin is not going to win because the NCAA is awesome, and I love March Madness, and this is my shining moment. So that was amazing. Thank you for stepping it up from Coach. Hey, for all the folks here, the Cooper of family, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for being on the show. And Dan Baker, thank you, sir. We are out of here. Peace! Edge of
1: Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,